Matt Tremichka is tearing it up in the KHL right now. We'll talk about that, Sam Dickinson, and our Game on the Line segment all coming up on today's episode of Locked on NHL Prospects. You are Locked on NHL Prospects, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello and welcome back to Locked On NHL Prospects, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. On this podcast, we break down everything prospects related for you five days a week, Monday to Friday. I'm Hattie Kalakesh, joined by Sebastian High, and we've got a packed episode for you today. First and foremost, we'll talk about Matt Bay Michkov tearing it up right now with HK Sochi in the KHL, um, including a three-goal game against a team that loaned him out because they categorically refused to play them in their lineup. Uh, moving on, we'll be talking about Sam Dickinson in our second, in our second segment, just talking about what he looks like right now how he projects and is he still the top defenseman in the 2024 nhl draft um and then we'll end things off with our game on the line segment if you're new here we basically choose a player from a different round of uh the 2014 nhl draft and build a starting six lineup to win a game seven stanley cup final but before we get into any of it, I just want to remind you that our sponsor for today's episode is FanDuel Sportsbook, official sportsbook of Locked On. Make every moment more. New customers can bet $5 and get $200 in bonus bets guaranteed. Visit FanDuel.com slash Locked On to get started. Um, now, uh, as well, if you're watching on YouTube, uh, make sure to like and subscribe. Leave us a comment letting us know what you want us to talk about next. And if you're listening on your favorite podcasting platform, make sure to make us your first listen of the day. So, Sebastian... Um, let's talk about Matt Vamichkov because we have to. Um, first, the point totals, right? They're they're ridiculous. He's doing great. I mean, he has 10 points in eight KHL games with Sochi. I'm not counting the little six-minute game he got with uh, with <laughs> SKA before he got loaned out. Uh, he's, he's Look, he's doing exactly what Matt Vamichkov does, which is put up point totals. Has he been the strongest defensive player in Sochi? No, not that he's very far off, considering it's a pretty mm-hmm. weak team. But uh, he's been playing tremendous hockey, and he's doing exactly what he does best. He is really pushing the pace. Uh, he's he's often uh, the F1. He's constantly trying to push yeah. back at, at that defensive line, trying to get in behind, trying to create odd man rushes and breakaways. And he does mm-hmm. it supremely well. Uh, I've watched most of the points that he's been put up so far this season and a lot of them are pretty high skill plays where he's flashing lane shifts and delays and overall he's expanded his tool belt in terms of being able to hold up play on his own in the offensive zone waiting Mm -hmm. for that support to arrive and often he gets the puck back from that support to finish off an opportunity but he's actually using his limits a bit more effectively now than he was last season with the same Mm -hmm. Sochi team so uh, yeah Mitchkov's doing incredibly well he's uh, definitely showing that he can produce offense in the KHL. And while Sochi is in a weaker division than SKA is, uh, it was rather poetic to see Mitchkov put up a goal and three points against SKA in his return to beat the team that loaned him out. And uh, yeah, I think Philadelphia has a pretty damn good prospect here. Absolutely. I mean that that'll show you. Don't loan your don't loan your players to teams that can give them ice time when you won't. Um, that's what you get. There, he he was playing with a chip on his shoulder in that game. I mean he was a oh, yeah. he was buzzing around even defensively. He was getting involved. He's trying to show his team his, his former team that he's able to hold his own in the areas that matter and. 
you know, we talk about Sochi being in a weaker division than SKA, but that also means that Michkov isn't as well surrounded as he is in SKA. It's a, it's a double edged sword there. And he's definitely just the way that he carries himself and the way that he's constantly trying to prove people wrong. I mean, he should not have slipped to seventh overall. I, I don't think that's even a conversation to be had, really. I mean, he he's an excellent, excellent player with so many good offensive tools, and he's developing the areas of his game that matter. He's not, you know, I said in his draft year often that you're not never really going to get a net positive defensive player from Matvey Michkov. I'm kind of I'm kind of starting to turn the corner on that. I mean, he he's he's wow. been showing some really good, impressive kind of small habits in this game. Um, you know, his stick positioning isn't ideal. His his you know, physical body positioning in terms of board battles, all that stuff isn't ideal. But the reason that he's making the anticipation that he shows both offensively and defensively has improved a ton over the offseason. That's one thing I've noticed as well. Um, and he's always been a very instinctual, like the the best thing about Michkov is the way that he reads offensive plays instinctually. He has a scoring instinct, this offensive instinct to always hit the right pockets at the right at the right time. And to see him carry that into the defensive zone and show that he's able to read plays defensively the same way that he would read them offensively and just kind of uh, reverse engineer it in, in a way to, to understand what his opponents are going to do. I've been really, really impressed with what I've seen from Mishkov so far this offseason. But, you know, are we still talking about a player who you would take in the top three in a redraft? Oh, yeah. I mean... Uh, right. Mitchkov had really solidified himself as a top three talent in my mind uh, in mm -hmm. the 2023 NHL draft class. I am in the same tier as Fantilli, though I don't think I ever had Mitchkov over Fantilli in any yeah. ranking last season. But mm -hmm. the closest it ever was, was at the very, very end. Like Mitchkov mm -hmm. continued to close that gap throughout the season in my eyes. Yeah. And while he never did fully overtake Fantilli in terms of the combination of upside and certainty and overall toolkit, mm -hmm. uh, he came really, really close. And if the draft cycle had been an extra, like maybe four or five months of, of actual playing, it, mm -hmm. that could have swapped for me. And uh, Mitch Kava is yeah. showing that right now. I mean, putting up 10 points in eight KHL games is a stupid good, as they would say. Uh, for it, a 19 year old? Not, it doesn't happen. <laughs> it, it just yeah. doesn't. And uh, you're seeing players like Anton Salaya, who produced like almost a point a game through six games, who has now fallen back down to half a point a game. Because mm -hmm. scoring a lot of points just isn't sustainable in the KHL. Mitch Cobb's yeah. one of the very few players where I'm not really even expecting that to dip down very far. He wasn't all that far underneath the point of game last season with Sochi, and he's way over right now, two points over. Mm -hmm. uh, so he's, he's trending better than he was last season already in terms of production, and that is exactly what's like on the ice as well. I think he's playing better hockey than last season, but he's still the same Mitch Cobb. Like This is the, the same electrifying high-octane offensive player with a lightning-fast processor and tremendous create creativity that can create pretty much anything on a dime. And uh, he's doing that against some of the best, the best competition in the world. And yeah. sure, Philadelphia has to wait three years to get him in their lineup. But when they do, they're adding a 21-year-old Matt Bay Mitchell and a three-year ELC, which is <laughs> going to be disgusting for a really long time. So... I think that uh, Philly should be pretty happy with that draft pick as of right now. Makes sense for sure. I, one more hypothetical, because um, I really want to have this discussion. Right now, are we looking at Matej Michkov and Ivan Demidov in five years and still having the discussion as to who will be better? Because it's it's looking a lot tighter than it was previously to me, even though I absolutely yeah. love what Ivan Demidov is bringing to the table right now in the KHL. Um 
it's still a debate in my mind. Is it for you or is Demidov clear right now and it's not an argument to be had? Like, how do you feel about that? It's still hugely a debate. Like, yeah. I think when I've been making comparisons between Demidov and Mitchkov, I've been really careful in terms of framing it around, okay, Demidov now versus Mitchkov a year ago, rather mm -hmm. than like, like those like <laughs> uh, comparisons between like a 19 year old player and an 18 or 17 year old player. I just think there's a big gap in terms of the age there. Yeah. I think that there's, if you're making the argument of Demidov versus Mitchkov at the same age, I'd mm -hmm. definitely take Demidov just because Mitchkov at the beginning of last draft year was rough to watch in many ways. Mm -hmm. But the development that he underwent afterwards, after he joined Sochi, was so tremendous that it has to be a debate whether it, it, he or Demidov project as the better player at this point in time mm -hmm. because we cannot expect Demidov to replicate Mitchkov's development trajectory, which has just been insane over the last like seven, eight months. So. Yep. It's still very, very much a debate in my eyes, and both players are going to be excellent for decades. Uh, but as of right now, I, I, I don't know which of the two is going to be the better uh, in the end. But yeah. both are tremendously fun, really skilled. Uh, Demidov has the higher floor, I would argue, but mm -hmm. in terms of the pure upside, it's still a coin toss in my eyes. I definitely agree. Um, what's for sure is if Demidov follows what Matvey Mishkov's progression was over the draft year, it's not going to be an argument at all. But we'll see for about sure. that as the year goes on. Yeah. Um, that's that's it for to, for this first segment here. Now we're going to go into our second segment where we talk about Z Sam Dickinson, what he projects as, what his profile is. We'll go in depth about that and talk about whether or not he's still the 2024 NHL Draft's top defenseman. But before we get into it, a quick word from our sponsors over at uh, FanDuel. Snap into action this NFL season with FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. Right now, new customers get $200 in bonus bets guaranteed when you place a $5 bet. That's $200 in bonus bets, win or lose. If you've been thinking about joining FanDuel, there's no better time than doing it right now. Because you can use those bonus bets on anything, ranging from spreads to player props to over and unders and far more. So visit FanDuel.com slash LockedOn and kick off the NFL season. FanDuel, official partner of the NFL. All right, so moving on to our second segment, we'll talk about Sam Dickinson, a top 2024 NHL draft eligible who stood out very early in the draft year, making himself um, kind of front runner among defensemen in the 2024 draft to be the top defenseman picked in that draft. But um, let's talk a bit about how he sees the game, how he plays the game, uh, what kind of profile you'd be getting in a player like this, um, and whether or not he's still the top 2024 um, defenseman. Let's let's start with this kind of mental mapping of the game. How do you process it? How do you see that in this game? How does it manifest, and how much do you like it? I think he does it excellently defensively. He's really, really good at mapping a play when it's in front of him. So when he's skating backwards down the ice against the rush, He's really, really capable to map every single threat that's on the ice. Mm -hmm. I see a bit more problems when you do it in, the, in offensive situations, when he maybe has back turned to defenders to keep track of those. That can be a little bit more complicated. But mm -hmm. as a whole, defensively, I think that his processing speed, his overall mental map of the ice, of threats, and 
his overall mm-hmm. professional style habits in the defensive zone are all well above par. He's really strong defensively and he's really, really intelligent. He knows how to stop as many threats as he possibly can. He's quite mm-hmm. capable in multi-threat situations to mm-hmm. stay controlled and not to, to overextend on either side if he's the only defender back. Uh, he's mm-hmm. really, really quite calculated in the risks that he takes and maybe the aggressive gap closing that he might entertain as an option. Uh, offensively, again, it's a bit more of a work in progress. He hasn't gotten the same amount of reps in the offensive zone as he has defensively so far in the OHL. And I think that's definitely a factor here in terms of just how refined or lack thereof there is in, in his offensive game. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think that there's a lot of improvement there that's very possible this season as he gets that bigger offensive role with London. Because last season you had guys like Logan Mayu that were really blocking his path up that lineup. And this season, again, he is at least tentatively the top defenseman in this draft class in terms of public opinion. A couple other big names in there like Adam Yerchek and Anton Salayev, for instance. Um, Artem Lofshunov is also another name that's that's definitely been... Uh, bubbling around a lot uh, in, mm-hmm. in prospect discussions. But yeah. uh, I think that at Dickinson's the one that has the most like unilateral positive like, acclaim so far from the scouting sphere. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. You would be hard pressed to find a scout that is not a big fan of Sam Dickinson. That's so, what I was going to say. Like it's, it, you'd be hard pressed to find anyone right now in the scouting community that's talking badly about Dickinson saying that he's having poor performances, not, yeah. you know, having major concerns in his game. He's a fairly well-rounded product. And for me, he's one of the most mature players, both physically and mentally in this draft. Um, Huge. His, like you said, his, his mapping of the ice defensively, his ability to understand, you know, players' patterns and, and, and habits, um, his ability to adapt quickly to, to changes of direction on the puck, that kind of thing. Um, and most especially his, his strength one-on-one is he's so solid. You're usually, you know, if you're a coach, if you're the coach of the London Knights and you see an opposing player going one-on-one against Sam Dickinson, I don't think you're worried one bit. I don't think there's any concern at all there. Um, the issue for me is... You see Dickinson as a player who's really put all his eggs in the defensive basket. He's still got some decent tools offensively, but mainly has pigeonholed himself into a defensive role. That's what I'm concerned about. Um, because exploration is the best way to develop new areas of your game and and add new things to your repertoire. And as much as I like what Sam Dickinson does defensively, I don't think he has much to learn there. So my question is, how much is he willing to explore offensively? How much is he willing to activate in the offensive zone, pinch down the boards with the puck, um, go behind the net, find options to, to pass pucks to the slot, and just get those reps in in order for those to become regular, con- consistent, constant elements of his game, right? Um, but that's kind of the mental element of it is how daring he is with the puck, you know, how, how composed he is defensively, all that stuff. But the physical tools, there's really no question about it. I mean, he's he's a man amongst boys right now in the OHL and especially was at the Linka Gretzky Cup. It wasn't even a question. Oh, yeah. He was bullying people around, not even trying to be physical or violent at like a Caden Gooley type of player. Just by virtue of being him and being in the space that he occupies, he was just pushing players around. Um the skating as well is fairly impressive. You know, it's, it's, it's a developed polished stride. It's not perfect, but it, there's a lot of small details in his posture that make it really easy for him to go from facing forward to facing backwards. You know, those pivots are really important when you're a defenseman going back for retrievals. Um, so, yeah, I'm, I'm fairly impressed with the overall package. But in terms of projection, I want your thoughts on this. I mean, 
I don't necessarily see a true bona fide top pair defenseman. And I feel like in a draft year like this, with this many defensemen available, if I'm going to pick a defenseman as my first defenseman off the board, I want them to have at least some true bona fide top pair, number one, number two ops upside. Do you see that at all with Dickinson? Or is this the kind of thing where it's it's hit or miss there? I still, I do still see it. I think a lot of that hangs on seeing how he's able to manage bigger offensive minutes in the OHL this year, because yeah. he will get chances in London. Uh, this is a contending team, and he is a very, very skilled player. They're going to have to use him to make a push for the playoffs, yeah, and to mm-hmm. go deep uh, in that run. But yeah, I think if, 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 we're going to definitely see with the offense. I just. Mm-hmm. I see his defensive uh, like foundation. I see his mobility. I see the intelligence. I see the composure. I see mm-hmm. the high-end physical tools. And I see a player that can be molded into a top-pairing defenseman. Mm-hmm. And whether the offensive game is able to pop in terms of the exploration, the creativity, the game-breaking skill, I don't know. But what I do think could happen is that he becomes a capable distributor inside the offensive zone, that he's able to layer enough deceptive qualities into his on-puck game to attract individual defenders, uh, create some space, change the angle of attack, get the puck to a teammate in space, and go back into the space up on the blue line or a further pinch up through the slot or behind the net. Uh, I think that, that, that there are these systems that, that he can easily fall into and because of his, his intelligence he can be really really effective in them i just don't mm-hmm. think that he's a type of player that's going to excel in the type of hyper fluid offensive system that you might want to give elaine hudson for instance uh yeah. or or kale mccarr but as long as he has some structure to go off of and and there is like this structured plan of attack of of giving him quite detailed instructions of, of how to kind of shift the focus to himself in order to open space for his teammates, then I mm-hmm. think there's uh, there's more upside with this player as long as he fits into that type of system. So mm-hmm. uh, I think that if a team drafts him like fifth overall or something, uh, there's definitely a chance that they get a top pair defenseman out of him. Like if you mm-hmm. compare Sam Dickinson to this past year's uh, defenseman that went high, I would, mm-hmm. at least as of right now, uh, I like his production more than David Reinbacher's. I struggle more with the Simashev. I think that that's more of a, a top a toss up between the two. They're very yeah. similar in many ways, uh, but uh, I think Dickinson's going to have more opportunities as draftier than Simashev did last year, where he's stuck in the MHL for most of the season, and mm-hmm. Dickinson could be the number one D on the best team in the OHL, uh, depending how it goes for London this year, but. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I think he's really, really interesting, and I do think that his his intelligence and defensive game give him uh, the potential of being that more shutdown presence on a top pairing. But yeah. the offensive game definitely still has some unlocking to do to even like get up that far into a lineup. Because if if there isn't tr- like significant work done on the offensive front, then a second pair role is a lot easier to project here. No, 100%. Uh, fully agreed. Um, so yeah, I mean, I- I'm very interested to see how this year develops for him, because I think that this is going to be a big benchmark in terms of, you know, if we see those activations, if we see the the, the more confident, um, you know, puck retention in order to absorb teammates to, to draw them in and free up someone else, that projection is going to change. I'm just not convinced of the number one 
maybe a number two, number three, but I'm still not on board with that number one defenseman projection. But um, that wraps things up for uh, Sam Dickinson in our second segment. And we'll go into our game on the line segment for the 2014 NHL draft right after these words from our sponsors over at Indeed. When you're drafting your fantasy team, do you ever wish you could do the same thing with your business team? If you're building a roster to win the league, you do absolutely need Indeed. Um, Indeed is the hiring platform where you can attract, interview, and hire all in one place, which is very practical. You won't need to spend hours on multiple job sites looking for candidates with the right skills, uh, with the right experience, all that stuff, when Indeed can sort that out for you. Um, they've got a new feature called Instant Match. Instant Match um, basically is uh, a kind of sponsor for your posts that you can post out there and you immediately get a short list of quality candidates whose resumes on Indeed basically match exactly what you're looking for. Um, and then once that's once once that short list is up, you can just click on their profile and, and invite them to apply right away. Um, Indeed does the hard work for you. So you sponsor a job and then immediately you get an instant match which shows you candidates that fit your description and allow you to kind of speed up that process and make it a lot easier um you know as we speak right now um there are already 16 hires that were made in indeed within this last minute um so that shows you how useful this this app is and and, and, and this website is in terms of helping you out in terms of finding uh candidates for your job indeed knows that when you're growing your own business you have to make every dollar count and that's why indeed with indeed you only pay for quality applications that must your, that match your job requirements so visit indeed.com slash locked on to start hiring right now again that's indeed.com slash locked on terms and conditions apply cost per application pricing not available for everyone but if you need to hire you need indeed all right so ending things off with our game on the line segment for the 2014 nhl draft we have an we had an interesting discussion about this uh, pre-recording um we have a deferring kind of approach to this uh so we'll start with the forward core i mean you have leon drysaddle in this draft class you went for I him. Do. I I didn't. Um, yeah, you didn't. There's a reason for that, and it's mainly because I am a massive, massive fan of David Pasternak, and with Braden Point available in the third round, I decided to keep my first round pick for Pasternak, even though Drysaddle is definitely the higher point total uh, producer. He's definitely a more well-rounded offensive player. I feel like David Pasternak on his own with with Braden Point would be a bit more effective than dry saddle and point. Um, and then it's just about who you put on that wing. So my front three, and with Braden Point of the Tampa Bay Lightning, David Pasternak of the Boston Bruins in the first round, and then I went with Victor Olofsson, who was drafted in the seventh round by the Buffalo Sabres. Um, talk me through the difference between my lineup and yours, because it's really just one player at the forward, uh, at the forward position, right? I mean, I also went with Braden Point and Victor Olofsson. Uh mm-hmm. I wanted the the extra goal scoring that Olafson brings, which is basically all he's going to bring to this lineup. But I wanted that extra trigger man, uh, just just to to be an extra nuisance around the net. And uh, I did go with Leon Drysaddle down the middle. Oh, sorry, on the wing. I have Braden Point as my center, and I have Drysaddle playing on the wing because you know he plays a bit of everywhere, depending if he's playing with or without Connor McDavid. Uh, mm-hmm. I went with Drysaddle because I love just the the diversity in his game that he can bring, both as a winger, as a center, 
Uh, I like being able to have a second face-off option. Uh, if, if point gets chased, for instance, having someone else that can come up, up and win a face-off for me, that's great mm -hmm. to have. On top of that, he is a true dual-threat scorer. He has one of the best shots in the league and is one of the top playmakers in the league. He will. He's the primary playmaker on my top line here, uh, and him and Point are somehow my top two goal scorers, despite Victor Olofsson also sitting there as a pure goal scorer. And mm -hmm. uh, overall, I think that this is a really potent trio. And mm -hmm. while they are more finishing like like focused in terms of putting the puck in the net, I have some extra playmaking coming from my blue line, uh, which is why I felt really comfortable having three really, really high-end goal scorers on the same line here. For sure, yeah. I, I wanted a different route for the defense pair as well. Um, I believe you kept your fourth-round pick to, to for the netminder. I went with I Devon indeed. Taves. Yeah, yeah, I went with Devon Taves instead with that fourth-round pick um, on the left side, and I went with Gustav Forsling of the uh, of the Florida Panthers, uh, who was, I believe, a fifth-round pick. Um, he was, and yeah, yeah they, I've paired them together. I feel like this combination works really well. I'm a huge, huge fan of what Devontae brings to the table. He's one of the best puck movers in the in the league in terms of defensemen. Yeah. Extremely good on rush defending. One of the smartest defensemen in the NHL as well. Really capable of kind of identifying his surroundings, identifying quickly what his threats are. He scans constantly. Um, so that combination of skills would be very, very interesting. I mean, we're looking at um, Gustav Forsling, who's also a very good, um, you know, playmaking player. But I feel like that combination of skills will allow the netminder to play a bit more aggressively, um, to, to throw pucks in corners, knowing that he's got two fantastic skaters and, and breakout players um, on the D line. Um, but talk me through your decor and, and what what you went for uh, at the back end on the blue line there. I also went with Forsling as my left defenseman. Uh, and mm -hmm. for my right shot defenseman, I, I spent a higher round pick, but I got a worse player. Uh, mm -hmm. I obviously would have liked to downgrade that to, to snap up Devontae's too. Uh, mm -hmm. But I went with Brendan Montour, who I'm also really happy with. I think him and Forsling, I mean, they have played together already in Florida. And mm -hmm. they are two pure playmakers from the blue line. And while they don't offer the biggest defensive support, I felt comfortable doing that because I did spend my fourth round draft pick on a goaltender who gives me a lot of extra safety back there. And mm -hmm. uh, yeah, so, so Forsling and Montour are both really high end playmakers and Montour really, really broke out last season when he was finally kind of given the green light to play a fluid style of hockey uh, in a system mm -hmm. that allowed him and encouraged him to do so. And sure. he really popped off. Uh, it, it, it was a really important thing, a uh, shift in coaching styles that, that really complemented his game. And mm -hmm. I think that both him and Forsling are going to create a lot of opportunities for my front three to put the puck in the net. And mm -hmm. uh, I'm, yeah, I'm pretty happy with it. And while I do think my lineup's going to give up quite a few high danger chances, because mm -hmm. I have Shesterkin in goal with my fourth round draft pick, one of the best goaltenders in the world, I feel mm -hmm. pretty comfortable with it. Uh, he was able to somehow drag an awful New York Rangers lineup to the Eastern Conference final a year ago. So uh, I'm pretty, pretty confident with him in net for a Stanley Cup final game seven overtime. Definitely agreed. Uh, I went with a second round draft pick for my goaltender because I really wanted Devon Taves. I went with Thatcher Demko of the um, of the Vancouver Canucks. And it is a definite downgrade on Shesterkin, but I don't feel that it's as big a downgrade as it's been made out to be. Um, I, I feel like... Shesterkin is definitely one of the best goaltenders, if not the best goaltender in the NHL. 
Um, but Demko, I feel, is maybe a tier, maybe at most two below him. I'm a big fan of what Demko can do, and I feel like he's not quite done rounding out his game and developing as a netminder in, in Vancouver. Um, he could end up being their, their starting goaltender for years to come, including once they rebuild properly um, and decide it's time to get rid of all the, the deadweight contracts that have been building up on that side. Um, I feel like he could be a centerpiece of um, the, the, the earlier end of that completed rebuild as the Canucks become contenders. He could become something special because he's very mobile. He's very athletic. He's very um, aware, especially his puck tracking is exceptionally good. Um uh, he can get caught out of position at times. Uh, can get a bit too aggressive, um, but with Taves and Forsling in front of him, I'm not too worried. I'm I'm more confident in the trio of Taves, Forsling, and Demko than I am in the in the trio of Forsling, Montour, and and Shesterkin. Um, crazy as that may be, that just speaks to how much I just love Devon Taves so damn much, and I think like I think I, I did own, too. I just yeah. I, I still see a massive gap between Demko and Shesterkin, so I. It, 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 it hurt me to pass on Devon Taves because I think he's one of the yeah. best and most underrated defensemen somehow still in the league. Uh, mm-hmm. So, yeah, I, I, I think that he's a great, great pick. I just think mm-hmm. that Shesterkin gives me a bit of an edge here and that that pick specifically allowed me to build a really high-octane offensive lineup without mm-hmm. being too, too afraid of conceding a goal because I have Shesterkin a goal. It makes sense for sure. But let us know in the comments below which of our two teams you think would win. This has been it for today's episode. Thank you very much for tuning in. If you've liked what you've been watching on YouTube, make sure to like and subscribe. Leave us a comment letting us know what you want us to talk about next. And if you're listening on your favorite podcasting platform, make sure to make us your first listen of the day. Uh, for your second listen of the day, make sure to check out Locked On Sports today. They've got all your news and updates about what's going on in sports. Um, and make sure to tune in for our next episode as we discuss David Reinbacher, Casper Halton, and another game on the line segment. This has been Hattie Kalakesh with Sebastian High, and we hope you tune in next time.